You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the Alana Choir Podcast, two great guests today, and I want you to stick through the second one. Shauna Green, Alana Women's Basketball Coach, joins us later on in the podcast. Joy Wagner and I caught up with her to talk about early in the season, including a loss at a Marquette team that is receiving votes in the AP Top 25. Uh, early test without Makaira Cook, their all-Big Ten guard. What she's learned about her team in the early going, how the newcomers are impacting her team, and a great recruiting class for her. Two significant gets, one five-star prospect for Illinois women's basketball, and then her first in-state prospect, and where they go from here in recruiting, because they're going to have some talent to replace. Great, as always, catching up with Shauna Green, uh, who's always great with us, and uh, has definitely brought some excitement to this Illini women's basketball program. But of course, it's Monday, so we catch up with Jay Lehman, our All-American linebacker. And guys, he didn't waste any time diving into the topic that you guys want to talk about, who starts a quarterback at Iowa. The legend of John Paddock, does it continue? We talk about that. What the heck happened in the secondary we also talk about uh, some other good positives from that 48-45 victory over Indiana in overtime. The wide receivers, running back Reggie Love, the offensive line. Uh, we break it all down with Jay Lehman. I do want to point out, yes, my mic is a little muffled. My mic gave out, my good one. So I was on my headphones and it just sounded more muffled than I thought it would come out. So apologies for that. I know it's not as good of a listening experience, but... Jay Lehman comes in clear. Shauna Green comes in clear. Joey Wagner does. So I got to fix that. But I got a mic on the way. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, apologies for that. But we'll deal with it for today. And we'll improve it for tomorrow. So I promise that. But Jay Lehman joining us next. And then Shauna Green gives her thoughts early in the season and on recruiting. That's all coming up next on the Online Choir Podcast. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle while tackling your holiday to-dos. Too busy with holiday plans to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. This holiday season, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash Illini50 and use code Illini50 to get 50% off. That's code Illini50 at factormeals.com slash Illini50 to get 50% off. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. It's Jay Lehman time. It's Monday. We're talking about an Illinois victory, 48-45. Boy, this team plays some exciting games here, Jay. Four straight, decided by uh, the final seconds, final minutes. Sure. And, uh, man, uh, this team makes it entertaining, that's for sure. But they've won three of the last four. Just 
overall thoughts, Jim? Well, first of all, John Paddock's a legend. John Paddock, get right into it. The guy you throw for 500 yards. I do not think you can bench this guy. I think you got to play John Paddock the way not only he's produced, but the way his teammates believe in him. There is a certain juice, a belief. When you have a guy on your team that you can look at and say, we got a chance with this guy if this guy's in the game, that is powerful as far as the effort that you're willing to give throughout the extent of an entire game. So one, I'm excited about that. Two, I want to give a shout out to uh, Barry Lunny. There's been four um, game-winning drives, fourth quarter comeback drives in a season. Guys, sometimes you'll do one of those in a season. Uh, that that's two or three years worth right there. And you got to give credit um, to end of half and end of game scenarios. They've done a great job. This game was really swung in the end of the first half, their ability to get points on the board, despite the Wiltshire uh, kickoff that was, uh, you know, called back was really good. I just answered four questions right there. Let's go. Okay. Well, Jay, I like how you dove into what everyone's talking about. And I asked the of afterwards and, I want to be careful of how I, I termed it because Luke has been playing good football. Luke Altmaier has been playing great football for the most part the last month or so, but we all see what's happening. And you mentioned it. This reminds me of when Riley O'Toole came in in 2014 and Paddock's putting up even more impressive numbers and what he's doing, but the team believed in him and you could tell, you, you could sense it. You could talk to them. You could see it in them and they see all what we're seeing. So, um, Explain how the staff goes about this because Luke Altmaier is playing good football. He's your future. He's been your present. He has not deserved to lose a job. Sure. But Paddock, like, you got to ride this, right? Yeah. So, first off, Luke Altmaier's played good football. All right. Probably played his best football in that Minnesota game before he got banged up. He's also extremely tough. I mean, the guy's taken some shots this year. He showed a lot of moxie running the football and making throws and honestly, really played clean football since that Penn State game, and I think is the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. Well, was the best quarterback in the Big Ten West until John Paddock came up and just lit it up. If you look at Paddock's stats, you can even throw Penn State stats in there. His stats are pretty remarkable. I think it's five TDs, uh, one interception, maybe two interceptions. But, I mean, he has been remarkable in his handle of the offense and his first power five start to do that. Okay. So what does that, what does the staff have to think about? Well, one, you're still building a program. Okay. Um, I would think Luke Altmaier, oh, Luke Altmaier feels like to me, the sense that I get never met him. I've only heard, you know, what he said, like a team guy and would be willing to say, you know what, right now I got to play 10 games uh, or nine games it's what's best for the team is this and still feel like he's the future and would stay at Illinois. Right. I, I hope that is the case. I think if you're Illinois from a big picture perspective, who gives us the best chance against the best, one of the best defenses in the big 10 to win this game as a coach, I think this game winning this game and winning the next two games has a bigger impact on your program then can I keep my quarterback for the next two years happy? I agree. And that's that's the answer to your question right there. So John Paddock needs to be the starter from what I've seen, okay? If John Paddock would have thrown for 200 yards and we won the game, I think Luke Altmaier probably comes back in and is the quarterback. But when you set a Memorial Stadium record and play the way he did under pressure, under duress, making plays all over the field, you've got to keep him in the in, in, in the in the – in the starting role, and I'll finish with this. It's different because it's the starting quarterback. Listen, if I'm a linebacker and I fill in and I have 25 tackles, yeah, I'm going to go in the field, but there's three, two or three linebackers that play. If I'm a point guard and I light it up for 30 in a game because I hit seven threes, well, shoot, I'm going to be playing. But guess what? There's other four other guys on the The quarterback's a unique position because only one guy can play. But this happens a lot, guys, in football. It's not unique where a backup gets in. Kurt Warner, probably the most famous, Lights it up like a Christmas tree and be like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. I agree with everything you said there. So let's let's get the actual <laughs> actual game here. What what happened? Like how how was John Paddock so successful? I think Indiana had something to do with it. Indiana and Illinois having a battle of whose secondary is worse in this game. <laughs> but what makes Paddock so successful in these last 62 minutes plus overtime? Sure. Well, you know, we heard uh, John Wright Sr., his grandfather, talk about his confidence. He is a confident player. You can see in the way that he plays, you know, first two first two throws weren't great from Paddock. Really just, you know, 
forgot about those and from then on was extremely sharp. He has a very quick progression in the pocket. You you can see him. He's very dialed in on that. Now, there are some plays they're going to number one. It's obvious. Everyone knows. The whole stadium knows. The defense knows they're going to number one. And number one is just that good. Isaiah Williams is just that good. But as far as progressions, it's remarkable how fast he reads it. And then when he sees it, he has a very quick trigger. His release is good. It's not like amazing Aaron Rodgers release here. But it's, it's good as far as he's very decisive in what he does. And then number three, he has a lot of pocket presence that you, you don't even think about, right? So like the last play is probably the best, the best example of that. He simply, they, they, they bring in two unblocked guys from his, you know, I believe his right side. He simply steps back to two yards and then flushes out to the right, never taking his eyes off downfield and then has an ability to sync up with Isaiah Williams in the plaster drill. We call that plaster drill because what happens is when a play breaks down and a QB scrambles, the call on defense is plaster. All coverages are off. You've got to go find a man, plaster to him, right? And because what's going to happen is that receiver is going to work back to make the easiest throw for the quarterback, right? Well, the easiest throw was for Isaiah Williams to do that. And so, the third and fourth thing that he does, the fourth thing I guess he does is he improvises great when stuff breaks down. He has the ability to improvise and keep his eyes downfield and hit the hit that final play. It's just amazing. This it, has just been an amazing eight days for John Patton. Here's the deal. He's doing stuff that I'm not saying he's an NFL quarterback, that a lot of NFL quarterbacks don't do well. Okay. Uh, I went to the Packers Rams games. Uh, eight days ago, Ripian was the backup quarterback. Ripian, guys, I mean, I watched the play. I was like, how is this guy starting? I know, I know they brought in Carson Wentz, but I give that example of some of the stuff that that John Paddock has was able to do. And a big credit goes to Barry Lunny in really getting them routes and concepts that were simple enough to be executed, and and also the receivers are playing at a high level. But I, I and I can't believe I got ten minutes in without mentioning the offensive line. Yeah, I was going to get This that. was the best protection we have seen all year. I mean, Paddock had all day for the most part, other than the last play, he had all day. He was able to sit back there. He was able to step up, um, and it was all across the front. I thought they did a tremendous job uh, with protection. Yeah, I want to shout out the offensive line. I think they were really the unsung heroes of this game. Best performance by far, Jay. What did you see from them? Because I also thought Reggie Love barely got touched. Of his 140 yards, sure. 70 were after contact. Like Fagan's been like 80% after contact. Right. Um, right. What did you see up front from that? Group? Well, and this, here's the thing. Indiana's got some players in the front seven. Andre Carter, good defensive end. Aaron Casey, probably an all-Big Ten linebacker yep. if he's on a better team. Um, and, and Casey made his fair share of plays, right? He made that play on third down against Reggie Love. But I want to give a shout-out to Josh Cruz. I, you know, I, I actually thought this was his best game. You talk about – a pocket and the ability for a center to really hold his ground and allow the quarterback to step up. I didn't see Josh Cruz get pushed around at all. So I thought it was Josh Cruz's best game as far as shape of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, holding up the pocket. I also thought it was a good game. His ability to reach block has gotten better and better, right? If I'm a center, I'm usually more of the undersized guy. I've got to be very smart. I've got to be able to reach block and I've got to be able to be the head of the pocket. I mean, when it's fan shape, I'm at the point of the pocket. I also thought, uh, you know, Isaiah Adams is looking more and more at home at right uh, right, uh, right tackle. Zai's playing his best ball. Uh, Julian had one play where it wasn't, wasn't great, but for the most part, you know, Julian's had a solid year. I mean, yeah. he's been able to stay at his position. I, I feel like he's a guy that you can rely on. So that's what I saw. I also saw us climbing to the second level on our zone plays better and our, and our gap scheme counter plays better than we have. We are getting up to that second level. And so much of that is the initial push so that I can actually get up to the second level on any kind of puller or whatnot. So just the initial push all up front, so much better. Yeah. I want to shout out Josh Geske too. I thought it was his best game of the year. He looks healthy. Um, wide receivers though, Jay, that looked like you can tell why George McDonald is, is riding those uh, you know seniors that he has. Pat Bryant with his best game before he sure. goes out. And then Ashton Hollins with two huge, three huge catches on the same sure. drive. Uh, what did you notice about them and why Indiana had fits with them? 
So first I'll start with Isaiah Williams. I mean, I think he's an all big 10 receiver. I'm not sure there's a better receiver other than Marvin Harrison Jr. Who's probably, you know, a top two or three pick in the draft. I'm not sure there's a receiver in the big 10 that does more for his team than Isaiah Williams does. Uh, Not Roman Wilson, not Keandre Lambert Smith over at Penn state, certainly nobody at, at, uh, at Iowa, you know, so I I would say this guy's a special player. So uh, his ability uh, to really be not more than just a slot receiver. He's become more than a slot receiver. So I want to give a shout out, but this is Pat Bryant's best grade by far. Some of it was blown coverages, but you still got to make the catch. And one thing I will say about, about, about um, uh, Pat Bryant is he's an excellent slant route runner in traffic, big body. That's his bread and butter. He's had some difficulty bringing in passes on contested catches, but I will say he is the best big body slant receiver that we have. When it comes to Casey Washington, he's the best back shoulder fade jump ball guy that we have. So there's kind of these different things. And overall, Isaiah Williams is the best receiver that we have. But I got I to show to Ashton Hollins too. Here's a guy, every time he's been in, he shows up. Mm-hmm. He does something, right? Whether it's uh, on special teams or whether it's catching a ball, I think he's, he's going to get more time. And uh, – it's hard to beat out guys that are producing. You almost have three receivers with a hundred yards. That'd be the first time since, you know, the six twenty one game with Dave Wilson, uh, which was interesting. I had a chance to be coached by the defensive coordinator uh, for the Ohio state Buckeyes in 1980. So he coached me for the Minnesota Vikings. And he told me that game. And I was also coached by Brad Childress with the Vikings, who was, who was an all, who was the receivers coach for that game. And really it was just the way they got that many yards was just, Nobody had seen an offense like this in the Big Ten. They just ran man-to-man on And all Illinois did was just crossing routes, and they just dumped it, and they ran for 621 yards. So a little bit of history right there for you uh, to tell you this was a remarkable thing by these receivers. I, I want to hit on this again because I feel like it's worth saying. Barry Lonnie, six games in, Jay, we were wondering, is he going to have a third year here? And, and now, like, this is four good games in a row for the offense. Not great, but this one was great, and they've had some really good performances. They've ended games well. Uh, what is clicking right now with Barry Lunny and how he's calling games, how he's coaching his guys up? Well, first and foremost, um, I would agree with you. He's had three or four great games in a row. He's given his team a chance. They've moved the ball, and they've been able to play somewhat complimentary football, kind of what they wanted to. So first and foremost, the offensive lines got healthier. Uh, I want to just say – They've just played at a better level. One, to run the football, to put us in third management. Let's remember the first half of the year, I think our third downs were like on average third and seven or third and eight, right? I mean, most of the time, that was probably our average. It was third and 11 against like Purdue and Penn State. I mean, it says well, you can't win games at third and 11 when there's no conflict on the defense. you got D-lines pinning your ear back. Nothing works better. And so the emergence of Caden Fagan and then Reggie Love last week after Fagan went out has really, really helped with a consistent run game. This offense doesn't work without a consistent run game. We, uh, we kind of started to get the feel this game, though, of what we saw in the UTSA game, throwing all the, the ball all over the field. And I will say I, I give him a lot of credit with some of the creativity. Listen, sometimes it doesn't work. Isaiah Williams in the goal line didn't necessarily work. Uh, unbalanced line in the goal line didn't necessarily work. But you can always count on Barry Lenny, one, to have three or four creative sets in there and plays. But what I saw now is, a, is an evolution over the last two or three weeks of the passing game. We're getting passing routes at multiple levels in space. We've got some in the shallow. We've got some in the middle. We've got some in the deep. And we have a guy in Altmaier and also in Paddock that are able to have time to go through those progressions. And now it looks like, wow, am I watching a Pac-12 game? There's actually space on some of these routes. And I will I will give them credit. The receivers have up their game. They're playing better. The offensive line is better. Barry Lunny, I think, is getting more comfortable in the rhythm of how he calls games with third and manageable. And let's be honest, John Paddock, I'll say it again, has been amazing. That was an A++ game, had one play where they fumbles the snap and throws it up, wasn't a good play. Other than that, you're going to have some of that when you're a quarterback. He has been magnificent. Guys, you can't roll out of bed and throw for 500 yards. 100 yards, 150 yards, maybe. You cannot do that without dude, 22 yards of completion. That's an insane amount. 19 plays of 15 yards or more. That was a season two years ago for Tony Peterson offense. Guys, this is remarkable. We haven't seen a passing offense like this in maybe 30 years when you look at this game. So it's kind of crazy. All right, Jay, now we got to get to the negative side of things. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry, sorry, to, sorry to bring this down, but Illinois gave up 45 points. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, I thought the defensive front did some good things. I thought the linebackers did some good things, and there were some negatives in there too. But what the heck happened in the secondary in this game where they just got dominated like this? Yeah, I mean, um, we don't like to call out guys, but Taz needs to play better. I mean, Taz will say it. He, he'll probably tell you he needs to play better. Obviously, uh, needs to control his emotions more, whatever happened, right? Um, so in, in defense, if stuff's not, well, not working well, there's two options. One, I can change the personnel, or two, I can change the scheme, right? And um, they try to change the personnel, go with a bigger body and Xavier Scott on Donovan McCulley. Uh, I give Xavier credit for battling. I mean, he's more of a natural safety nickel kind of type guy. They had him just playing a true corner. And I really like the game plan. I think Rod Carey is actually a good offensive coordinator for Indiana. They have improved vastly since they fired Walt Bell on October 5th during the bye week. Uh, they're a better football team than people actually give them credit for when they were earlier in the year. And I say that because what his game plan was, listen, I don't know if we can block the front for three seconds, but if I get the ball out in two and a half seconds, by throwing up to Donovan McCulley, I can just focus on my matchups. And that's exactly what they did all day. Right. I mean, I, I it's frustrating for guys like uh, Gabe Ackes and, and Johnny Newton, who I, I think they played well, but uh at, they had no time to get to the quarterback. The ball, the ball was out. You're in a shotgun. You're taking three steps back. Now I'm eight yards deep, and I'm getting the ball out in two and a half seconds, throwing up to Donovan McCulley, who's a big target, right? Um, and so that was that was difficult to see that. Um, I, I would have liked to see in the second half a little changeup. Honestly, I would have. I like to see a little more safety top over the help. I know we're not a great zone team. I know we sit, we're better at man. But my, my goodness, if that's all they can do, yeah, up. Jay, I think it made kind of sense. Like, hey, you press these guys, you make a quarterback throw into tight windows and make a receiver make a play. But credit Storsby, credit McCoy, they kept doing it. But the, I thought the penalties were oh, yes. the biggest issue there in that man coverage is like sometimes you got to tip your cap. They made some good plays. Having 5'10", 5'11", corners, that's what's going to happen sometimes. But You, you, need, you, uh, need, the, you need the length. And we, and we do – we are more physical – as a defense in the pass game than other teams. I want They're to grabby. They're grabby. grabby. We grabby. We use a lot of hands. Uh, the defense we play would not be allowed in the NFL. It's just not allowed. It, you, you can't touch people after five yards in the NFL, right? And so that was the one knock on Devin Witherspoon. Was, could, his game, could his game translate to the NFL because he was so handsy, right? Now, it obviously has. I'm not saying it hasn't. That's been pretty obvious. But – we're, they're really taught, and that that was for years a Jim Leonard thing too at Wisconsin. There was a lot of coaches that I would talk to in pregame meetings when before they talked to Wisconsin when when they had those great defenses, which is from 2010 to 2020. Remember Anthony uh, uh, Henry, uh, uh, sorry, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Henry is uh, kind of from that same base of defense where they're really handsy. They would say, hey, what? we're watching these DBs. We're telling the officials, hey, these guys are all over stuff. So we're very handsy in what we do. One other thing, though, it would have been easier. It almost felt like, okay, if they throw it up, there's a 75% chance to get a penalty or a, a tough catch. We didn't do a great job stopping the run. And I think that set up some conflict as well, right? Because it's not mm -hmm. like we were just shutting down the run early in that game. We didn't do it. They ran the ball effectively which I think is concerning for us up front because a lot of times we were in man coverage and should have an extra guy. Yeah, no, I, I think there were some some run fit issues at, at certain times uh, with, with him. But um, if you're Aaron Henry, how do you address that, Jay? You, you got a week to prepare for an Iowa team that is obviously not going to throw the ball all that much or throw it all that well. Yeah. But do, do you have to – what are your concerns going into so, after that performance? How is it different? So first and foremost, Deacon Hill's not going to run the ball at all except for what I call his best play, the Deke sneak which he is a load on the quarterback sneak, the deke sneak. Uh, so be, be ready for the deke sneak. But Soresby also had the quarterback run. There was numerous missed assignments on the quarterback run that were big plays, two touchdowns on the quarterback run. I don't know if Seth Coleman or, or if it was the outside backer or the quarterback, but somebody's got quarterback, okay? Mm -hmm. There's going to be no quarterback run out of the shotgun with Deacon Hill, right? We're going to see basically pro sets, I formation. Uh, we will see a little empty. They've gone empty, but we're not going to see quarterback run shotgun. When I look at Iowa, really struggled. Oh, Deacon Hill's gotten better. He has not been an accurate passer, and he'll throw it to you one or two times a game, right? Um, they're going to try to grind you with the inside zone and the outside zone. 
And here's the deal. They still got a good offensive line. And if you're not physical, they can move the football on you. Not, not Maybe not score a lot of points, but they can possess the ball and shorten the game a lot where you have three or four possessions and a half. And against that defense, that's not a ton. I think the thing is, is Iowa gets better as the season goes on, I think I think Kirk Ferentz is something like 17 and one in November games, something crazy, right? As teams get better, you're going to Kinnick. And uh, this is a game with very, very little margin for error. Like we talk, we talk a pick six, that could be the game. We talk a punt return from Cooper DeGene, that could be the game. We talk about getting into the red zone and getting two field goals, not a field goal and a touchdown. That could be the game. That's how narrow this, this margin is going to be in this football game. And so I think defensively, we match up better to them than what we did Indiana, but offensively would probably match up worse because who doesn't match up worse against the Hawkeye D? Yeah, I want to ask you that, Jay. Like the other part of this story with Luke Altmyer is, man, you want to bring him back to play this defense? That's, that's where I struggle. And in this Iowa defense, what do they do so well? What is the key for whoever is the quarterback going up against this Phil Parker defense. Yeah, from a from a technical perspective, I mean they basically basically play an under front, and they I call it cover six. Cover six is basically quarters coverage uh, into the field, uh, the wide side, and then into the boundary they're going to play cover two and have a quarter just kind of sit into the boundary, and their safeties are going to be very involved in the run game. They're going to have their feet flat foot at eight yards. And that safety, the Bob Sanders position, the one that Bob Sanders made famous 20 years ago, he's going to read the key. If it's a run, he's going to be a run support safety. They're always going to have an eight-man front to stop the run. If it's pass, he'll then roll out and be a you know play that deep half and so or deep quarter, excuse me. And so that's what they're going to do to try to really stymie. But what makes him so good is one. If you do the same thing over and over again, you're more focused on what your opponent's doing than what you're doing. Okay. So that's key, right? But so many, so many players are focused. Like, I don't want to make a mistake. Okay. Blitz. I blitz an A gap here. I'll be a, wait a second. I got to be aware of what the offense is doing. Truly great defenders are aware of how they're trying to be attacked. And so I think number one, that makes Iowa really good in that they're more focused on how they're going to be attacked than what they are doing, okay? Number two is this. They've always had great defensive line play, okay? They are going to be very physical up front, and it's hard to get a push on them. It's going to let Jay Higgins and other people run free at the linebacker positions. It's not a mistake or a coincidence that an Iowa linebacker is always in the top two or three of tackles, right, because of the defense they play. And then number three, you're going to see almost exclusively zone coverage and a lot of eyes on the quarterback. This has led them to lead the league and be top five in the nation interceptions over the last decade. Uh, you will see them get a pick or two because they all have eyes on the quarterback and they know how they're being attacked. Okay. And they've had a system. They've done this system for 25 years, first under Norm Parker. And, and then and Norm Parker ran it at Michigan State with Nick Saban in the 80s where Phil Parker was a player. And so Phil Parker learned this as a player. Phil Parker came on with Norm Parker in 1998 when Ferentz came there in 99. And then they've just done that whole defense for years. It's something they recruit to. It's something they coach. It's something how they know they're going to be attacked. And that's why they're so efficient. Boy, that was a big breakdown of Iowa defense. But I'm sure it gives, I'm so tired of people just saying, oh, they're just good. They do it all the time. There's a reason behind all of that. Well, and the other key is, Jay, the special teams got to be better for Illinois than they were sure. against Indiana uh, because Iowa's going to be great. And, you know, we could talk all about Iowa's offense. Their special teams and defense are elite, and that's why they are leading the Big Ten West and control sure. their own fate. And why, and why you and, and, and me really thought that, uh, you know, I thought Iowa – would be the Big Ten West favorite. Yeah. I thought Illinois had a chance at that. Again, we said Illinois could have five wins, which they do, or 10 wins, which they could have had, right, mm -hmm. if they were playing like this. Um, so I, I agree. Listen, Kinnick, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Ohio State. You go to Kinnick in November, it's going to be a hard game. I don't care who you are. I think I think you could put Georgia up there, and – I think it'd be Georgia would win 21 seven, but if I mean, it was a dog fight, they would win, but it would be, it'd be tough. No, I agree with you, Jay. Well, it is a very interesting finish. Three of four wins for Illinois and uh, two and zero oh in November. 
Still got a chance at that Big Ten West title, but need to go beat Iowa in Iowa, which Illinois has not done, Jay, since 1999. We'll talk about it next week, man. The house of horrors. Let's go. (laughs) You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with home field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the basketball ringer tee, the rose tee, and the 1980s long sleeve with the script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. Using that code Illini23 gets you 15% off your first order. We all know you're wearing Illini gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think that you should check out Home Field Apparel, which has the best designs, and these shirts, guys, are really comfortable. Their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Home Field is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. This episode of the Illini Enquirer podcast is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog Sports, using the promo code, and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked out Underdog Sports, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go on the app, go pick whether favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, Travis Kelsey, he's very popular these days. If his number is set at 50 receiving yards, and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to go way higher than the number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in business if you go five for five you can 20x your money so sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and don't forget to register with promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 there are a lot of fantasy companies out there but we decided to partner with underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org it's the most all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply all right, glad to have Atlanta women's basketball coach Shauna Green joining us now. Shauna, thanks for the time as always. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to be on with you guys. I appreciate it. Well, I know you've been shorthanded without one of the best guards in the country, Makaira Cook, through the first two games. Uh, 71-67 loss at Marquette. But what have you learned about your team uh, through the first two games of the season here? You know, it, it's it's always you want to be healthy, right? But it's part of this game. And and I think that overall from a holistic, like in long term, you know, this is good for us. It's it's good for our guys to a lot of new people have to step into different roles and, and get a lot of experience. So um, do we want to play at full strength? Yes. But I just try to find the positive out of this. And, and you know, so I think we've shown a lot of toughness and, and resiliency and um, you know, I think we're going to be better because of this adversity and some of the things we faced the last couple of weeks. And even on Saturday, there was a lot of really good things that came from that game. And, you know, that's why we did it. We we could have scheduled easy. We could have had a home game where we knew we were going to win. Um, but we went on the road and played a really good team, you know, and, and that's uh, it's all good things and, and learning experiences. Sean, I know obviously Makairo deserves every headline she gets, but it seems like Genesis gets a little overlooked because Makairo's star is so bright. Um, what is it about her that you've seen her grow into being as good as she is? I know you, you chased her all over in high school to get her, but how have you seen her grow? You know, Jen, she's an unbelievable player and she's so capable of doing so many things, but I've just seen her grow, you know, from, from last year to this year, her confidence level you know, her, just her comfort level and what's expected and, and being able and, and being ready um, to really shine in, in some of the bigger, the bigger moments. And, you know, she's just been, she's just a great player. She's a great person. She's a great teammate. Um, and she's really grown in her leadership as well. And she leads in a different way than a Makaira leads. So it's good, all of that together. Um, and and she, I think this has been good for her. You know, she, she's had to play the point a lot more and, and she's had to score, you know, a lot more. And those are things that are going to really benefit us. I, I, I'm really positive about that. It's going to benefit us down the line. So I'm really proud of Jen. Um, and, and just every day she continues to, 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 you know, grow as a player and as a person. 
You guys had a big road game at Marquette. Now you get Notre Dame coming up. Um, I know we've talked, Sean, about this non-conference schedule and boosting it up. How did you know the time was right to, to kind of put yourselves in these conversations, especially either a road game or a neutral court game? You know, I just think you you have to when you have returners coming back and, and you know, you had a little bit of success last year, um, you got to test yourself. And, you know, if I had a crystal ball and knew we were going to have injuries or here or there, you know, maybe you're like, oh, I wish we would play this game later. But that's that's life. You don't know. And again, everything happens for a reason. We're going to be better because of, you know, having again, having some adversity and we have opportunities to win, you know, and Marquette's good. Like I said, they're going to beat a lot of teams, and I think they're picked third in the Big East, um, you know, so that's a really, really good game for us. We, we learned – I know I feel a lot better after that game, even though I hate to lose more than anything in the world. Um, I learned stuff about our team, and, and we had a great – after Moorhead, we had our best week of practice at, you know, in, in preparation for Marquette, and then you know, we got clean some things up against Marquette, um, which we will, but we showed showed a lot of toughness in that game, you know. So I just think that you know the timing was right with this team, um, and I thought that you know I know we can handle it. Um, so we'll go in same thing. We got a game on Wednesday, but then we'll prepare for for Notre Dame, um, top ten team in the country, and and we'll prepare for them on a neutral side. I like that. You know, I thought that was a, a really good game when you can have a top ten team on a neutral site. So. Uh, I'm excited about the about the non-conference slate. NBC tip-off at, at noon. Uh, great, obviously leading into a Notre Dame football game, but also Illinois fans. The, the football game doesn't start until 2.30, so they get to, to watch this. But obviously it's supposed to be a great experience for your players getting out there on Thursday, Shauna. But um, what does this opportunity mean uh, in front of a national audience against one of the best teams in the country for your program? You know, I think it is a great opportunity and, and, you know, that's why, that's why we did it. So we want to be able to go out there on national TV and compete against the best and, and hopefully show, you know, what Illinois women's basketball is about and, and what we're made of and, you know, whether that's at full strength or not, or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We're going to go, we're going to be prepared. We're going to fight. Um, and I think that it's a, again, I love neutral site games. This a, uh, it's a big opportunity for our guys, and they know that. You know, the, again, they're they're returning group. They know that. They know this is a a big moment, and I know we'll be ready. So, how have your off season additions so far impacted your team and, and you as a coach of, of what you can do? You know, it's it's interesting because where and I think about it, I'm like, we are like we have a lot of returners, but we also have a lot of new pieces. And then you throw us playing, you know, without Makaira. So a lot of diff- a lot of people are playing in different roles. So I've had to take a step back and really look at it from that big picture of, okay, well, you know, Cam's having to step up now and play a ton of minutes. Jada now is playing in a different role than maybe she was last year, even though she's been here. Right. And, and she understands, well, now I'm, you know, putting her on some of the better offense players and she's having to really pour in defensively where she didn't have to do that last year. You know, now KB's playing more at the four like at Marquette, we went big the majority of the second half. She's playing at the four. Now Hobby's figuring out. So I'm like, it, we're a veteran and experienced team, but really we're not because everyone's kind of in different positions. And now Jen's having to, you know, really carry more of a load scoring wise. And so I, that's where I got to just continue to be patient and, and understand this is a process. Um, and those new guys will will come along. And I thought you saw that with Javi on Saturday. Like she's coming along and, and really made an impact offensively. Just got to continue to to sharpen up the defensive consistency. And then same thing with our, our freshmen and, and Shay. You know, it's a process. And I keep telling them that just be patient, trust the process. At some point, we're gonna we're gonna need them and call upon them and, and they gotta be ready to go. Yeah, how do you and your staff? sort through those puzzle pieces because last year it was like okay this is kind of all we've got like this is what we've got to be but now you've got some options like what what like behind the scenes what do you guys do to kind of move those around and see what you can do with all of your new pieces here you're you're right joey and we were just in a staff meeting talking about that you know last year it's like okay well this is it and and you kind of roll with it well now you're like okay if someone's you know maybe not shooting it as well or not defending okay you can put this piece in it and and this piece there you know, different lineups together and when to get some of the freshmen, you know, experience. So I think those are things that obviously we're constantly evaluating, talking about. And a lot of right now, since we're only two games in, a lot of that is is building and getting that trust in practice. 
And so, you know, what are your stats in practice? How's your, you know, how are you doing? How, what's your improvement in practice? And, and some of those things we're learning through that, but it is, it's, it's a little bit like a puzzle piece. And I think, you know, I'm a feel coach of like when and who I go with in, in certain times in games. Um, so I'm still trying to figure that out, you know, and, and even like the other night, it's tight game. Who do we go to? You know, Makara's not out there. Who are we going to run a play to? What are we going to, you know, who do we want in this position? Those are a lot of things that, that we're all still trying to figure out and myself included. So we'll continue to, you know, I think to learn just each and every day, um, you know, but it is, it's been different the last two weeks when you, when you take out a player that the ball goes through a lot. Yeah. I'm sure that's equal parts fun as it is maybe a little unsettling. Like you guys as coaches typically like to know, right. Um, so, so what's the balance there? Yeah. I, I don't know about fun, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we all like to know we don't like surprises, but that's even pre- like preparing from our cat. We knew early, uh, you know, Makaira probably wouldn't be able to play in that game. And so we was just like, we're prepping and we're, you know, it's next woman up. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to have options out. That, that's what I would say fun, but I just got to continue to figure that out of what's our best pieces together and, and when, and that's going to fluctuate game to game just by who's producing, you know, in, in that, in that game. Shauna, you just signed a recruiting class here. Uh, and I, I think both of these additions are significant in their own ways. Barry Wallace, a five-star recruit, according to ESPN, Haven Smith in state, first in state get there. Uh, what, what was the significance of this recruiting class for you and your staff coming off winning? Yeah, it was a, obviously, you know, anytime you, you get kids to commit, it's, it's big. And then, you know, for kind of our first true class of who we've had some time to recruit, um, you know, I think to, to get those two guys is a, you know, it, it's just, it's great. It, obviously Barry is, um, you know, one top 20 player in the country and, and Haven, I think just her upside so big. And, and obviously she has great size and, and mobility, which is an important piece to us. We need to continue with KB and hobby going to be gone, you know, in, in a year and, and hopefully, you know, two years, um, we need that. So get her in here, get her, get her moving and, and get her, get her working and improving with Haven. But Barry's just another player too, that can come and she just does so much. She can do, she kind of just like does a little bit of everything and in that glue, that X, X factor type of a, of a player um, with great size. So I'm super pumped and, and really just appreciate, you know, our staff and all their hard work uh, that they put in to, to get these two. It's hard. It's hard to get them to that, that finish line and, and get them to sign. And uh, so I'm really, really proud of, like I said, and appreciate our staff for all their hard work. Yeah, I hate to look too far, Abby. You got a lot of talent to replace uh, on, the, on the current team at some point. So, what is that next step? What's that next uh, class look like for you guys as you approach it with uh, with obviously a lot of turnover coming up? No, you're you're right, and and those are things you know you used to try to plan and space out your classes, and we only want two. Uh, well, that's kind of long gone with the transfer portal. So, and and obviously taking over this program last year, we were just trying to get. The, you know, the best players that we could get and, and how it aligned ended up everyone being in, you know, if our COVID kids, you know, take the, that extra year, they all take that. Literally we're replacing our starting five in the right. 25 class. So it's great as a coach. Cause you're like, well, we've had, you know, we could potentially have our same starting lineup for three years, which who, who has that anymore. But then on the backside. So when I start looking at the 25 class, that's when I start, not sleeping at night and, and freaking right. out because it's like, yeah, it's going to be, but also this is the, this is the fun part about that is we're selling there's opportunity. I mean, there's a lot of minutes and, and, you know, we're in with some, some really high level players in that class. So we're selling, you can come and, you know, and, and kind of there's opportunity as a freshman where right now this for 24 class, it was harder to say that when you have, a ton of people potentially coming back in, in fifth year. So you got to take the, the good with the bad. But 25 class is a critical class for our future. Um, and we need to bring in some some elite players that can play right away. And then I'm going to have to understand, and I'll get to that point, that we're going to have to kind of throw them in the fire some that year. And a lot of freshmen will have to play more. And there's going to be some bumps in the road maybe and a little bit more growing pains with that. But it is what it is. How much as you guys build that just to have like you guys get here and you just have to get talent like when you got here it's just go 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 but now you've had a couple of years to build 
and kind of strengthen relationships? Like how much does that play? And especially with that being such a critical class. It's helped so much. I mean, you know, last year, like I said, it was just like, you just have to attack every transfer and everything that we possibly could. And I, I mean, obviously we did a great job of getting some really good kids in and bringing them to be able to win in that first year. We don't do that without, you know, the kids that we brought in. So, um, but now Again, hopefully we can have a, a successful year this year so we can prove that two years we, we've won. I think that's in, in the relationships and, and everything like that. That's where I think the traction we've gained very quickly and we're in a good place. Like I, I really feel good about a lot of our 25s, but you can feel good and then not get them. So we got to We got it. I think it's important in the 25 class that we get a couple early commits like we can't wait and, and it can't wait till fall on, on all these guys. So we got to be a little bit more, you know, I never pressure kids to sign or give timelines to any recruits. That's not my style, but um, some of these kids were in a, you know, we're kind of further down the, the path. We're going to hopefully, you know, we, we need an early commit one or two would be great. <laughs> I, I know you talked about getting kids here. Like you, you feel like if you get them here, you, you put yourself in a really good spot. Um, what is it? What? Why do you feel that way? I just think our culture and, and how we go about, you know, what we do here. I think that when they're here, they feel that. They feel that, you know, those relationships between players, between players and staff, um, they they just sense, I think, the, the togetherness here. And, and that's where – you know, the comments that we've had when people are here, that's, those are some of the difference, uh, difference makers. And then also, you know, they see, wow, this facility is, is unbelievable. And I have every resource I need under one roof really to, to be the best version of myself as a student athlete. Um, so you combine all that and the detailed plan that we set, you know, set out for them of how we're going to make them better in every single area and all the people here, you know, that are, their jobs are to make you the, to be elite. You know, I think that's where people are like, you know, this is, this is, this is a great spot. Shauna, Joey and I always like it to people, to get people to be reflective of, of things. And um, when you came here, obviously Illinois women's basketball was not top of mind for people. Uh, it was at a low point. It felt like, and you've infused so much uh, energy, excitement about it, but what have you learned about, the capabilities of this program, the potential of this program, the support. I mean, obviously you want more and more attendance, more and more support of it, but what have you seen in the last year, especially from that? You know, I've been really, really pleased and, and happy with the the support and, and how everyone's just, I mean, everyone, the community, um, people on campus, like, you know, everyone's about women's basketball and, and, you know, anywhere I go and in town now, like someone will talk to me about, you know, our team or how we're doing. And, and that's what you want. Those are, those are type of special places that you, you know, you want that, you want that uh, interaction, you want uh, that support because then you can, you can get to that next level. So I think we have everything in place here in order to consistently be a winner and to compete for championships um, and, and, you know, that we can control and, and that's all you can ask for. So I, I the support's been absolutely uh amazing and and you know we got to just continue to to use that um to try to continue to get great players here it's my last one um it's the first time i think we've talked to you we didn't ask you about last year like it feels like the page has finally <laughs> right. turned where like do you feel like the expectations have changed from like oh wow what a what a great story those guys and now it's like hey this is just what the program uh is or is trending to be yeah, isn't that funny how, how quickly sometimes, you know, last year everyone's just, you know, they're happy you're winning and happy you, you know, you win a game here and there. And now all of a sudden it's like, if you lose, you're awful. And, <laughs> you know, and, and what's going on? They, they lost at Marquette. You know, it, it's funny how it changed, but that's good. That, that's what I'm used to. Um, it means that you've had some success. It means, uh, you know, when there's that expectation and that pressure, you know, no one's going to put more pressure uh on me than i will myself so uh there's there's high expectations and you know the the standards and and goals are high here um uh, but yeah it's funny how it how that changes really quickly but that's yeah, it it's a great thing i, I wouldn't want it i want to be in a place where people expect uh success and 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 then really you know celebrate that success so 
but I'm just saying it's harder. This year's going to, it's going to be harder. I mean, you guys know it, you see the schedule. Uh, and I told our team that like, and I just said it earlier, you guys, we could have, we could have got another guarantee and bought someone to come here and blow them out by 40. But like, what are we learning about ourselves? So no question. I'd rather go and, 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 and play someone tough on their home court, you know, go to and play Notre Dame on a neutral site. Like that's, that's going to make us better. That's going to, now we know what we need to work on. You know, it's just, it really is like Saturday was so good to know, Hey, this is what we were good at. This is what we need to work on. Uh, so, you know, expectations high, but, but it's all good. Sean Green, Alana women's basketball coach. They host St. Peter's on Wednesday, 11 AM for field trip day. Always, always <laughs> a great atmosphere for that one, Shauna. And then the Shamrock classic noon central time NBC It's going to be a great matchup. Hopefully all the Alana fans tune in that one. Shauna can't thank you enough for your time. No, thank you guys. I appreciate you very much. All right. Thanks to Shauna Green and Jay Lehman for their time and insight. As always, fantastic stuff from both of them. And again, apologies for my muffled mic there. Uh, we're taking care of that, but uh, didn't want to just can those interviews because Shauna and Jay came through clear and they were great uh, as always. So appreciate their time. And a lot of women's basketball, some big games coming up. NBC. 12 central time on Saturday, right before the Illinois Iowa game. Good chance to see this team in a nationally spotlighted game. Doesn't sound like my Kyra cook will quite be back yet. As, as far as we know, uh, but they still got a chance. Genesis Bryant, Kendall Bostic, Deli McKenzie, the depth they've added. You hope they can give uh, Notre Dame a run here and, and put on a good showing on national television. But they uh, have higher expectations now, so that's uh, good to see. Just good to see that program with expectations, that program with a spotlight. It's been far, far too long. So Shauna Green is doing a fantastic job of raising those expectations. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube as well. Subscribe to us there. Hit the notifications bell and uh, give us likes on those videos as well. really, really helps us out. And check out all the latest we have at IlliniInquire.com because we have been busy and it continues to be busy. Think of this weekend, Friday men's basketball game against Valparaiso, Illinois women's basketball against a top 10 team in Notre Dame at the Shamrock Classic on Saturday. That's followed immediately by Illinois football against Iowa, followed by the next day, Illinois basketball against Southern. It's a busy time. It's a fun time, but it is a busy time. No sleep, no days off November. It continues. Check it all out at IlliniInquire.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.